Welcome to the Shiny Brightly Show. I'm Howard Brown, author, speaker, Silicon Valley entrepreneur, international peacemaker, and yes, a two-time stage four cancer patient survivor and advocate. Each episode will take you from resilience to hope and a whole lot more because Shining Brightly does make the world a better place. Be prepared to be inspired. Hello, it's Howard Brown. It's shining brightly. Oh my goodness, your maestro with the mic is back. Oh, you're going to love this guest. I've got Buddy Thornton here today, and this guy is so interesting. He is uh, a book editor, uh, a book author, a ghostwriter, and so much more. He's a renaissance man. Buddy, how are you? I'm doing great, Howard, and I really appreciate you inviting me on your show. Fantastic. Well, <laughs> I appreciate it. I'd love for you to just share, uh, give a quick background, a little bio on yourself for uh, for my listening audience. Okay. Well, I have a doctoral education from Grand Canyon University. Obviously, that means I have a master's and a bachelor's. Uh, I'm a great-grandfather. I have 10 grandchildren and 12 great-grandchildren. And, you know, I have uh, been married almost 50 years. Wow. And uh, my lovely wife, uh, you know, uh, supports everything I do. She's been retired for about 17 years. And she just wants to be the loving great grandma. And I, I give her the opportunity to do that. And so uh, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. And that's why I'm here. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. Did you, did you have uh, any other types of careers uh, moving, you know, moving around as far as in your life and things like that? Well, I am a Vietnam veteran. A lot of people do know that, though, because I, I put that in most of my uh, writing and, and certainly on my bio page. Uh, what a lot of people do not know is that I was a professional bowler for 27 years. And, uh, mm. you know, I, because of that, I almost virtually have never had a job job. I've always worked for myself. But, uh, you know, 27 years on tour and I'm almost 70, so... You know, and a lot of people would never realize I'm almost 70. But uh, I think the PBA and the, the fact that I still love and enjoy what I'm doing, and I plan to keep on doing it as long as I enjoy it. That's my key. That's an awesome share that you're a pro bowler. And thank you for your service as a Vietnam vet. I have to tell you, I grew up in Boston, and we had candle pins. And you got three three balls, and they're little straight candle pins. And, and that was a, a birthday party back, uh, you know, before the digital age. That was an amazing birthday party to go bowling and pizza. Well, let me give you another little hint. I spent sure. two years in Boston while I was in the Navy. Okay. And I not only played candle pins, but then when I went south of Washington, D.C., I also played duck pins. Yeah. So I've tried all three different types of traditional bowling, and uh, I'll stick with the big ball if you don't mind. Yeah. So wh where did you develop this passion for, uh, for writing and books and, and, and editing? Where did that come from? Well, you know, luckily my mother was uh, very insistent on me being educated. And back when I was uh, going through school in the 60s, they had a thing called the SRA reading program. And I went through the SRA reading program and I got to where I could read 1,300 words a minute. And so even when I was in the Navy, when I, all throughout my entire marriage, I've just always been a consumer of books. And I can love to get on stage. I love to tell stories. That's one of my passions. And so people were like, you know, you should be writing as well as speaking. And I, I just didn't really gravitate to that real quickly. But then I went to uh, speak with another gentleman from the East Coast, and he asked me if I would look over one of his books. 
and he's written 12 books and I, it got to the point where it's like, oh yeah, I'm, let me look at your book. And then I started doing a little editing for him and then it turned into a full-blown, hey, I'm sending you my book nine, can you edit it and send it back to me? And, you know, he never changed anything after I edited it. So I decided, you know what, I am going to write my first book. I wrote my first book on ethics and it took me a long time to write it because I was trying to be a perfectionist. Mm. And I sent it off to be edited, and it took the editors over seven weeks to get it back to me. And in that seven-week time, they only found seven errors to offer to correct. And so I asked them, I said, seven weeks to find seven errors? They said, yeah, we thought something was wrong with our software, or we were looking at something wrong, we were missing something. So we kept going over it and over and over it. And I'm like, I, I just wrote it, and you know, and they said, well, you obviously know how to write. So when I wrote my second book, I did the same thing, but they got it back to me much quicker. And that book was 105,000 words, and they found 12 errors. Wow. So I was like, well, you know what? Maybe I should be editing myself. Maybe that's another revenue stream. And I talked to Natalie about it. And she said, yeah, you should do that. So I edited some short pieces for her, and then I edited a, a book, a full book. And I was getting these books back to these people in less than a week, which means they were like, it's just, just incredible that you would be able to do that. Well, I'm going to tell you a secret. I do use an AI tool to identify really glaring problems. But I don't use an AI tool that does the work for me. I use an AI tool that allows me to pick and choose what's right and what's wrong. And when I have a question, I go right back to exactly the way I did back in the 60s and 70s. I open up the stinking dictionary or the, whatever I need to do, and I go, what's the, what's the correct way to do it? I'm not going to let a machine tell me what to do. Well, and we didn't have AI right before then. So now this is a, that's a current development. You didn't even have that. You had to rely on your own words and the dictionary and all that sort of stuff as well. So. Now I'm actually editing for three different publishing houses, and I've oh. uh, got a steady stream of business in that on that side. But my gift, 1,300 words a minute, and I can edit incredibly fast as well as, well as be very competent. Well, I, I have to tell you, being a, a, a first-time author, and learning this now uh, since last October and going from cancer to COVID and, and actually being a published author, and I'm, I'm learning. Uh, so I'm learning from folks like you as well. And, and I love the shout out to uh, Natalie McQueen and to uh, Robert uh, and uh, Renee Jones. Uh, that's how that we've been connected and, and, and that entrepreneur group and, and Natalie with her publishing house and things like that. What, um, what would you say to uh, someone that, because uh, uh, during COVID, people had a lot of, a little more time on their hands. What would you say for a first-time author? What's with, with some some advice that you'd give to them? Um, I I have one piece of advice. I want to hear what you, as the expert, has to say. Well, it's easy for me. Yeah. Write from your heart. Write with passion. Let your soul and your heart do your speaking for you. If you get muddled up in your brain, like most humans, we're very imperfect, and we probably wouldn't even write the same sentence exactly the same way a month apart. So you got to write everything from your heart and soul and just get it on paper. If Even if you're not getting it on paper, you know, get on Zoom by yourself and record it and then take the transcript right. and use the transcript. And you'd be surprised when you come from the heart and soul and you just do a brain dump. You just get it out there. There are going to be tidbits that you never would have put in if you had written it purposefully. Now, there are some people who say intentionality is important, and I do. I do. Focus on your topic. Don't get way off in a rabbit hole or, you know, don't do things crazy. But you have to write from your heart and soul 
And if you need to edit something out, edit it out. But make sure it's all in there first. I think that's great advice. And, and my advice is just get started because um, take that positive step forward uh, because I, am, I, I call myself the least likely author and I did it uh, non-traditionally by Zoom and those transcripts did become drafts. The drafts did become uh, chapters and the chapters then became a manuscript. Now, um, but you can't really publish a book too, too well without a manuscript. So you need some of the basics there to be able to do that. The, the other lesson that I'm learning is that when the book is complete and, and a book cover matters and authenticity matters um, and uh, vulnerability matters, once you actually press that go button and it's available on Amazon.com, um, that's when the real work starts, buddy. That's, that's when the marketing starts. That's when your brand actually needs to be on display. And that's where you said something back in the green room a second ago is that that's where an author learns to become a speaker and has to learn how to become a speaker. Tell, tell, tell us about that. Authors are speakers and speakers are authors, or it could be. A speaker who doesn't have a book is like a person, a business person without a website or a business card. You know, you really need to put yourself out there in a way that shows not only competency in one spot, but competency over time. When you get to speak, you get to speak to an audience. It could be an audience of five. It could be an audience of 5,000. When you train somebody or you put a course out there, the limitation is the people who sign up for the course are the people who get the gift. But when you write a book, it's like taking what you could do on stage and it's putting out there, it's a timeless thing that will exist forever. So you have to, a, pinpoint the foreverness of a publication. And then you have to back it up by saying, okay, I did one. Why can't I do more than one? When I was a professional bowler and I threw my first 300 game on tour, one of the guys came up to me and he said, you know what your job is now? And I said, yeah. He said, yeah, throw another one. Ooh. So you have to, you never can rest on your laurels. You have to understand that one book is a super accomplishment. Only 2% of people who want to write books ever finish a book. Hmm. But only 4% of the people who write a book ever write a second book. When you're like me, where you've already written more than a dozen and you've got five individual self-book books and you've got a plan for 24 in two series, it's about publishing one, two, three, four a year because it's what have I done for myself lately? And then how do I project to the world? Marketing for a stagnant one book is difficult. You've already even said that yourself. That's right. But if you have a series of books, every time you get to bring another book out, guess what? On that backdrop, there's your other books. And everyone goes, oh, I really love this book, but what about that book? And all of a sudden, the marketing takes on a life of its own. But if you don't do the work to get it out there and then continually push it in people's faces, you're nobody. There's 8 billion people on this planet. You are one. Do the numbers on that. That's an infinitesimal amount. You have to fight upstream every day to get your books out there. Yeah, I, I, and again, uh, speaking about you know, Natalie McQueen, she, she really gave me some good learning because she said, Howard, you know, you can't really uh, you know, fake it on, on, on Amazon. You, you, know, you are an author, you're not an author, you're either listed and you have a book by your side. And she said that um, uh, a book, this took three years for me. I hope the next one doesn't. But she said there's lots of incremental space that you can do that. So I, I, um, my high school coach wrote a chapter for the 30, uh, 30 Days with America's High School Coaches. And we talked about uh, how coaching in your formative years, how it's such a noble profession and like a, being a teacher. And then I got to write a, 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 about my coach. 
And then I, I wrote a little 200-word essay. I'd love for you to talk about um, this book here. I'm holding it up for the people that are just listening, The Art of Connection. This is a collaborative book, and everyone gets to write a page. And I actually now, there's two reasons why I love this book. Is One, it wasn't like years to write it, um, and also the ability to, I look at it every day. I open it every day, and I read, I read the inspiration from it. And I have to tell you, the Kindle has been the most amazing thing because it's become a search engine of this amazing community that you all have built that people are helping each other. They're joint venturing together. They're being podcast guests. Um, it's, it's really kind of cool. And so I'd love for you to talk about the, the art of connection and the 365 days and the, and the new book on, on gratitude coming out. Well, number one, you know, compilation books are really a, a gift from a group as opposed to an, a gift from an individual. I try to paint it that way. And, Beyond the Art of Connection, we'll get to that, but there are compilation books where people write, uh, like there'll be 12 authors or there'll be 24 authors with two a month. There's some that deal with 52 authors uh, so that you have one a week. And then, of course, you've got your big compilation books that just, it's a simple ask. Can you write one page? Can you keep it within this framework? And can you use that as your forever business card and get get yourself published. It goes into the Library of Congress. You know, this is an international best-selling book. It's an award-winning book. It was the best best. It was the number one uh, business compilation book of 2023. So, you know, it's very important that you understand the framework of a compilation book. Where else in society can you coattail on 364 other people and be considered part of the fish in that fishbowl? I mean, there are some incredible people in this book. Now, I, yeah, in book three, I wrote seven pages, and I edited the entire book. In book four, I'll be editing the entire book, and I will have anywhere from three to probably seven or eight pages. But the bottom line is, for me, it's a, a gift of love to the other people in the book. I want them to learn from me as much as I learn from them. And I'm like you. I have my Kindle, and I literally read a page a day. I stay on the calendar. I like to do that. I wasn't in book one, but I have book one, book two, book three, and I will obviously have book four. It is an inspiration to hear the voice of other people who are your peers, who may, even if they're not in your field, they're still your peers. They're an author of the book with you. Come on. And if you're a consumer of that book, what a business catalog do you have? Do you remember Rolodexes, Howard? Yes, sir. Okay. Guess what? AOC is a modern Rolodex. It has got some of the brightest, most imaginative, creative people in the world writing these compilation books. And AOC is special because it focuses on a very, very direct line. Book four, gratitude. I teach everybody when I'm doing my coaching that you get up in the morning with gratitude and you go to bed with gratitude. Why wouldn't you want to participate in a gratitude book? I mean, we, we live for gratitude, don't we? I mean, 85% of our thoughts in, in, throughout our day are either negative or, or very flat. When you get that nugget that becomes gratitude, isn't it special? So, yes, we need to have gratitude. And being in a compilation book is such a simple, easy way to do it. I don't understand why anybody wouldn't invest a very low amount of money to become an international best-selling author and be able to say, I'm hey, I'm in the same room with Howard. I'm in the same room with Robert Jones. I'm in the same room with Natalie McQueen. I mean, yes, I work with these people, but guess what? It's a, it is an honor to be on the pedestal with them. 
I, I have to tell you, I, I, I've realized that now. And it was just such a, a great awakening for me for the art of connection because I didn't exactly know what I was doing. Uh, I, I came in late for book three and Natalie and, and I've just reaped the benefits of being part of this collaborative now uh, on so many ways. And um, and, and I, I, I went on Robert's radio show and I just and every time I see Natalie, I thank her. And um, I um, I've already written my, uh, my my gratitude because I look in the mirror being a two time stage four cancer survivor uh, and patient and advocate. I'm blessed. I'm grateful. And I'm really lucky every single day. And it, now it allowed me to express that in my brand. And I, I especially love the Kindle because one click and people are getting in touch with me. And that's that's actually, again, uh, it helped define my brand and who I am and the Shining Brightly movement to make the world a better place. So uh, just so many benefits for that. And then, um, I just I, I now get to thank you for uh probably only finding one or two errors in my uh, in my posting. So uh, I appreciate that very much. Now, you got you a couple. Know, Go ahead. Yeah, the, the main thing I re really focus on, and I think people need to do, write from the heart. If you struggle getting it in the framework, you know what? I'm available for an extremely minimal cost. I can help you complete your page. The other thing is, when you're doing those tags at the bottom of the page, when you're identifying your profession and what you have a passion for, be very accurate. We only allow five tags per author. And the reason we do that is because we want you to focus on your, your passions. We don't want you to say, oh, let me see. I was an architect. I was a builder. I was, you know, we want you to say, this is what I am. I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I'm a writer. I'm an editor and I'm a conflict management professional. Those are my five tags. And, and I won't deviate from those because that's me. When you talk to me, that's what you get. That's, that's how I present myself. I'm not going to change that message now, five years from now or 10 years from now. It doesn't matter. No, I, I love that advice. Now, for those uh, that are in video, you'll see that um, Buddy actually has two books that he's displayed over his right and left shoulder. You want to tell us a little bit about the, the Slippery Slope and then the black and white uh, baseball? Yes. Well, the Slippery Slope is my series. You can find it on Amazon. There will end up being 12 books in that series. And then there will be a second series that will follow that, which uh, I'll, I'll start when I uh, – I'll advertise that when I get started on it. Uh, the Black and White of Baseball and Overcoming Bias in Baseball and Life was written by George Reister. He's a coach who actually spent years in China coaching Chinese baseball players. He's uh, in his early 60s. He's a black author. He's got a grandson who is struggling with a lot of prejudice and bias in the baseball sphere. And so he came to me and said, could you please help me tell my story? He had a gorgeous manuscript. It just needed a little nudge over the top. And so I spent about a week working on it, and I sent it back to him. And what was surprising is he thought it was going to take two or three months. And when I got it back to him in a week, he was like, are you kidding me? And he read it, and he, he gave it to his wife to read, and they both said, we did not believe that George's story could sound like that and could be like I didn't take anything out of George's story. I just made it to where it would cross every racial barrier, every cultural barrier, and it would reach into the heart of people and say, this is wrong. Why can't we make it right? And so, you know, it, it immediately became an international best-selling book. I love that. All of my books are international best-selling books. You do have to write at a certain level to make that happen. You cannot just get that out of thin air. But at the end of the day, George wasn't a writer. He was a coach. 
he was a coach, but he was very well, he was articulate, he was well-spoken, he could write very well. What he couldn't do is he couldn't put it into the right place and the perfect framework. So did I do a little bit of work on the book? Yeah. I, and I also wrote the foreword because I love George. He's a great friend of mine now. And I would never have met him if he hadn't came to me to help me write his book. And I, I, just, I just believe that's the gift that we give. The money we make is very minimal compared to the gift that we get of interacting with people that we care about. And, and that book has a lesson and it, it's teaching. I, I, I have to tell you now, buddy, the reason I was excited to have you on the show is that I have now gone through this process, a full three-year process of, you know, basically doing the Zoom interviews, looking at the transcripts, looking at the you know the, the chapters we cut out so much in order you know this my, my first book is 300 pages and 62 pictures and i have such an appreciation of the editorial because without my wife and my editor david crumb of frontage publishing and read the spirit magazine my book probably isn't readable and i think that's the gift the gift is that of an editor is that the book is readable if it is a struggle to get through a book, and I've been through, you know, I've, I've read some that have been a struggle, even an article, I might stop right there and not and put the book down and never pick it back up again. And I love the fact that the feedback that I'm getting is that it's a page turner and that I can't put your book down, right? Because that's what you want as an author and, and the editorial makes all the difference in the world. So um, I, I want to actually just tell you that uh, you have a magic to you that... Um, that I don't have. And I appreciate for people like you that do, because um, if it's not readable, it, it makes it a chore and you don't want the book to be a chore. And, and there's some books out there and I'm sure you've seen them. <laughs> They're a real chore to get through. And, and especially looking at my, uh, you know, the, the, the textbook days and, and some of that stuff, I was like, you know, you're trying to teach kids <laughs> and, and boy, is that really a chore? Some of those textbooks just to get through. So we won't, we'll get into there as well. Can I ask you, um, what are you reading now? Who's your favorite author and why? You know, I write nonfiction. So I, you know, and, and because I'm a researcher, I read a lot of nonfiction. And in the nonfiction space, I tend to stay in the sciences. So like Dr. Lise Elliott with her book, uh, What's Going On in There about from conception to five years old with children is definitely one of my favorite books uh, from a religious standpoint. I absolutely would recommend Ken Sandy's The Peacemaker. It is one of the best conflict management books that has ever been written. And it follows the scripture, but it doesn't adhere to this. You have to do this. It is, we want you to believe in the story and the and your own ability to decide what's acceptable versus unacceptable. And then, of course, uh, for the fiction space, I really do like to read uh, stuff that I know will never come to be. In other words, I, I read it strictly for pleasure, strictly as an escape. So I read like Stephen R. Donaldson with his Unbeliever series. Um, you know, I've read all of the uh, different variations of the Star Wars people that have come out. That's, you know, it's uh, what they say, uh, a far, far away, a long time ago, far, far away. You know what? We don't even imagine some of the things they could do being possible now. So how, how could that be, right? I like that because it gives me an escape. It allows my brain to just turn off and just enjoy pleasure. And then when I come back to write, I'm completely refreshed. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to rock. I mean, uh, one tidbit nobody will ever know, but I had COVID three times. Okay. And when I came out of the hospital after having COVID the first time, I was going to be at home for 30 days. Yeah. Now, I had outlined my second book before I went into the hospital. 
I had 30 days and I completed the entire book, 105,000 words in 30 days. I wrote wow. the book in 30 days. I gave it to my committee chair from Grand Canyon University who wrote the foreword to look at it. He came back with a couple of suggestions for chapter five and I made a few changes and we published it. So it was written in 30 days. It was reviewed for about 40 days and then it was published. It was written in September and it was published by December. And, you know, that's the way you create a book. But you have to know the topic. You have to believe in the topic. You have to have passion about the topic. And you have to believe in the people who give you feedback. Yeah. I, I also got to, I have to tell you that the lesson learned, it was cathartic for me because going from cancer to COVID, I was healing. And the ability to, this is my memoir, so it's 125,000 words. And um, I had never done this before. So it was an all new journey. It was healing for me because I actually, in chapter one, talked about the lesson that uh, my great grandmother, we call her Bubby Budish uh, Bertha from Lithuania, she came and struggled to get to this country, had nothing, right? And she taught us as five-year-olds to live a life of kindness. We can choose to do that. Live a life of giving. We can choose to do that and to heal yourself and then go heal others and, and on your communities. And, and God, I, I remember that today, like she's talking to me right now. And for me to actually take that lesson and put that in chapter one, right, is so special to be able to do that. How many times, you know, at least in my memoir, I walk back my entire life and we're going through photos and we're going through stories and we're talking about family customs. We actually, uh, in one chapter, we fight about whose grandmother's brisket is better and which recipe is better. So uh, it, it's just cool. And so I, I love that expressionism of that. And then I got to pick, you know, who I wanted to write the forward. You talked about that. And um, uh, there's a book from uh, Dr. Robert Wicks called Bounce. He's probably published 29 books. His book said, I, I read his book and I said, he's talking about me. Bounce is about resilience, right? And I, I said, he's talking about me. And then I do a lot of interfaith work. And um, the, the actually uh, Rabbi David Rosen in Israel, I've known him from uh, the American Jewish Committee. We do a lot of diplomacy and a lot of interfaith relations. And I live here in Michigan where we have, uh, you know, Muslims, Christian, Jews, Hindus, and we, and we all are in the same melting pot. And we seem to be able to get along most of the time. And so Rabbi Rosen uh, wrote an afterword about my book about uh, welcoming people into the, your tent. Know your neighbors and understand the richness of their history and their culture and their foods and their diversity. And I think we're lacking a little bit in these days. I hope we can recapture that. But boy, was that fun to be able to choose the actual people and the honor that they accepted to be able to uh, be part of my book. And everyone who endorsed my book too, it was an ask, a personal ask that they would actually put their name uh, in or on my book. And um, so what a great thing for me. And I, I, you've now got me all excited to get to book two um, and uh, to see what I'm going to do. And I, I've, I've already got book two. They, are, they always say, if uh, you're an author, what's your next book? And you got to have that. So I do. And um, so I wanted to actually transition a little bit here to the shining brightly spotlight. I'm putting on for those that are listening, these magnetic white glasses that you know I do each week. And I'm putting the shining brightly spotlight on you, buddy. I want people to know how to find you. And then I want you to actually uh, finish up the show with a little bit of inspiration and kick it back over to me. I can do that. Well, if you look uh, at my logo, uh, Buddy PSCA Pro, and you want to get a hold of me, all you have to do is put in Buddy PSCA Pro at gmail.com. It's very simple. It comes right out of my logo. Uh, it, was, it was a gifted brand from one of my uh, peers about five, six years ago. 
because of all the pro-social work that I do. And I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't be doing anything, writing, editing, or anything, if I didn't believe it was going to be a gift to other people. My gift to the world is I'm a positive social change agent. I want to change your perspective. I want to change your life. I want to change your future. I want to change your family tree by teaching you how to just be you in an optimal best way. And if I can do that for your people, Howard, and they can get a gift out of your book, Shining Brightly, which is a great book, and I can get gifts from people like me, how much better will the world be? It's all up to you. Oh, I love that. Oh, my goodness. And um, I will definitely have in the links in the show notes, The Art of Connection and The Gratitude Book, as there's still room for more uh, authors and all that. Um, the way you get a hold of me is shiningbrightly.com. Uh, my speaking, uh, the podcast, the book, my advocacy, what I care about there is by lifting, uh, lifting up yourself and lifting up others in our communities. Um, if we do shine brightly, just a little bit each day for ourselves, for others in our communities, the world will be a better place. And buddy, what a terrific episode. What a great guest. What a great message you have. And um, I just uh, am very glad to call you uh, my new friend and and uh and share this uh, time together thank you it was an honor thank you i hope you enjoyed this episode of shining brightly with me howard brown come interact with me at shiningbrightly.com and remember keep on shining